You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. I feel like what I'm supposed to do this morning is uh, remind you guys of some things that you already know. And I, I, I remembered this morning, this, this verse just came up where in Second Peter chapter 1, where Peter says, therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you've been taught. It's only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. So that's how I feel this morning, is that we are, I think for many of you, the things we're going to talk about, they're not new, but I feel like we need to be refreshed in them. And uh, so I want to talk to you about faith, and I want to talk to you about the way that faith, what it is, how it develops in us. Um, and I, I've just for, for several weeks have been going through Hebrews chapter 11 and looking at the different verses there. So we'll probably go over and look at some of those, but this is going to be one of those where I'll try and keep this as organized as I can, but I'm just going to try and share uh, from my heart what, what God's been speaking to me about. And so again, I just want to make some basic statements. And then in particular, if we get that far today, there was a statement that uh, stood out to me this week out of the book of Exodus about Joseph that just really struck me. It was one of those lately, this is what God's been doing lately, is I'll, I'll come to verses that I've read over, you know, the little verses, <laughs> the verses that are not the main point, and that I've read over about 10,000 times. And one of those will just grab me and blast me, you know. And last week I was, you know, if if I'm studying, I get real excited about what I'm getting out of the word and I've got to tell somebody. And, you know, a lot of times nobody's here. And uh, so last, I don't know what day that was, but it must've been Wednesday. I, I texted Annie and said, have you ever thought about this verse? You know, and she came back, no, you know, <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, it's going to be good. But anyway, you know, we're created with this capacity for faith. We're to, and, and faith is, I mean, it's trust, it's confidence, but it's confidence that's so strong that we act on it. We, we, it, it births things in us. It changes who we are. And, and we're designed with this capacity for confidence. And every one of us, we live by faith. You know, the scripture says that we should walk by faith and not by sight, meaning walk by your trust in God. Don't let the things that you can see around you or not see around you, you know, but the things that are going on in the natural, don't let those be the full motivation for your life and make your decisions by them and all that. We've got to, we've got to walk, we've got to live by our confidence in God. Let it direct the course of your life. And the reason God can tell us that is because he designed us to work that way. And every one of us are, are living by faith in something. We live, sometimes it's by faith in ourselves or other people or our job or uh, what we see around us or uh, our bank account or, you know, it can be all kinds of things, but it's where our real confidence needs to be is in the person of Jesus Christ. It's got to be in God himself. And so he designed a whole process for us where when he speaks to us, Romans 10, 17 tells us this, that when God speaks to us and don't get all hung up on that, oh, I don't hear from God. Yes, you do, but that's, you know, we don't need to, 
dig real deep into that today. Just let me say this to you. God knows how to get a message across to you, I promise. And when he does, when the Spirit of God is in it, when he breathes something into your heart, it actually releases confidence in him. He gives us faith in him. We just have to decide to accept that and receive that and let that work on the inside of us rather than immediately saying, yeah, but I can see this over here. Yeah, but that didn't happen. Yeah, but I have this track record. You know, whatever it is, we have lots of yeah, buts. We've got to get rid of those. And when God speaks something to us, receive it. Just receive it and let it do its work. Because it's, we call that the living word of God, the living words of God. And sometimes they jump off the Bible page at you. And sometimes he impresses his words into us in a time of prayer. And sometimes some Christian friend is speaking to you or, you know, you're having a conversation or they're praying for you or you're reading a book or whatever. And this truth just jumps out at you and hits you in the heart. Those truths, they not only uh, Luke one thirty seven tells us they have the power to bring themselves to pass the words of God, but they also have the power to change where our faith is, to direct and release confidence in God in our hearts. And the good thing about that is, so we're designed to be able to walk by faith. God has a system for imparting faith to us. So when we find that we're in doubt or fear or uh, you know, lacking confidence in God, we're not believing what he has said, and we can discern that in ourselves, then we, you know, uh, the wrong thing to do is to panic and draw back and think, oh, now God's going to be upset with me because I'm, I don't have confidence in him in this area. He's even shown himself faithful here before. I don't want to let him know. And so we start pretending that we have confidence in God in that area. And instead, we need to just run to him he designed the process because he knew we needed the process. He knew we needed to hear from him. And he didn't design it, and I guess he could have. He could have designed it to where when I heard, God will meet my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. When I heard that one time, I have it forever. I will never doubt God again in that area. I guess he could have made us that way. But that would, in a very short time, eliminate our relationship with God. We'd just be out doing our thing, and, and he, you know, he would just have it so that I'm plugging this in, you're done, that's it. He didn't design it that way. He designed the whole thing around relationship with him so that we constantly come back and spend time with him and draw on him and let him speak to us and get to know him better. And in that place, faith develops. It grows, it increases, and it goes up and down. Then we get our eyes off on something else and, and we start to slide out of it. And all of a sudden we find that, wow, I don't have the confidence of, about my whatever, my, my health, my marriage, my finances, my you know, future, whatever it is, I don't have the confidence that I had just a few years ago because some things have happened and I've probably not gone back to God in that time and heard his word again and gone back. We should all have some foundational scriptures. I hope you do. I do. Some that I can go back to time and time and time again when I feel confused and you know, I, I wouldn't say hopeless, but you know, hope has certainly been diminished about something. I can go back to these verses. They're ones God has used again and again and again to draw me back into his presence. I hope you have those verses 
if you don't start today. And as you collect those, write them down, highlight them in your Bible, do whatever, stick them all over the windshield of your car so you can't see out, you know, whatever. See, that's going to be the advantage with the autonomous cars, so we can just put scriptures all over the windshield. Anyway, um, I hope I don't live to see autonomous cars, but, you know, you guys can have fun with it. Uh, Anyway, uh, so... I hope you have those scriptures, but let those speak to you again and again and again. God designed it this way. It's not a one-pass thing for any of us. And then we have those areas where God moves and shows himself faithful in our life or in a friend's life or our mom's life or whoever. You know, we see God move and and keep his word and fulfill a promise and and answer prayers and those kinds of things. And that's where we build testimony is where we have a report of something that God did. And it doesn't have to be curing you of incurable cancer, okay? It can be helping you find your car keys when they were lost. It can be, I don't care what it is, grab it because every one of those moments where God shows himself faithful, if we handle them right, all miracles point to the miracle worker. All miracles speak of his nature. An act of healing tells us God's a healer. And then we know God is not a respecter of persons and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think we just sang it this morning, didn't we? God, you will do it again. That's not just that's not just wishful thinking. That, that's a fact about God. If he's done it once, he'll do it again because he's the same, okay? So we grab those and we start to build this library in our own hearts. And again, I encourage you to write these things down. If you're anything like me, you forget them. They're, they're amazing at the time and then you forget them. And your wife has to tell you about them two or three years later. And it's like, oh yeah, God did that. That's awesome, you know? So we build this library of testimony and testimonies, speak to us of who God is. So in all those ways, faith grows and increases. And so the the thing is, and, and again, I'm just going to kind of go through some ideas here this morning with you, but we have this terminology that we use, and it's, it's not wrong. The Bible actually uses this too uh, a few times where a lot of people, when they think about the term faith, and this just depends on what kind of environment you grew up in, they think about the term faith, they think of it as the faith, like the Christian faith. In other words, the whole overall thing of people follow Jesus. You know, it's the faith, the Christian faith. And the Bible does use that term sometimes. It'll say the faith, referring to believing in Jesus, okay? But most of the time, when the scripture talks about faith, it's talking about something personal. It's talking about a personal confidence that is alive on the inside of us, a personal confidence in Jesus Christ, a personal confidence in God. And again, Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes as we hear God speak to us, as we we interact with God, as we have intimacy with him. And he breathes something into our heart, however he does that. And he has a multitude of ways that releases this confidence in us. But that's the thing. It is, it is not just a, 
it is, it is not a, I, I can't think of a better word than weak, than frail. It is not just sort of a, a frail trust. It is, it is a combination, I think this is on your screen, of reverence for God and confidence in God. There's an aspect of awe to faith. There's an aspect of, wow, God, whether it's just a truth that he's imparted to us and it suddenly, it's like it kind of becomes ours. It becomes that personal word from God. And it, it enables us to uh, start to pull on things that we can't see or that haven't happened at all yet. Um, you can look with me if you want to over at uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Let's look at one verse over here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Now this is 2 Corinthians. I knew that. And I want to look at verse 7. You know, Hebrews 11 is just this compilation, compilation of what we call the heroes of faith. Just these different people from the Old Testament speaking of their faith and what they did because of how they lived, because of having faith toward God. And in verse 7, it's about Noah. And it says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, okay, this is the NIV, not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So it says, by faith, Noah, okay, he, he was warned about, God warned him about, it says there are things that were not seen. The full meaning there is things that had never, ever happened. There had not been a worldwide flood. Okay, so nobody had ever heard of a worldwide flood. Uh, I don't think they were predicting one on the news every night, you know, uh, polar ice caps are going to melt, worldwide flood, okay? That wasn't happening. God came to this person because this person was in a position where he would, had a hard attitude that he'd listen to God. He told him about something that had never happened and nobody had ever seen. And Noah believed him and, and went to work and built this boat. I mean, and we know, we know the story from Genesis. His neighbors laughed at him. Everybody ridiculed him, you know, and then he got to give him a big, I told you so. Later, that's not what he did. But, but anyway, it's what most of us would have done. But the point is that faith in his heart could see something that not only could, not, uh, could other people not see, but had never been seen, had never been seen. Faith perceives and this is what it tells us there in Hebrews 11.1. 1. It perceives as reality things that cannot be touched with the physical senses. It perceives as real fact what could not be touched with the physical senses. You know, the, the scripture tells us, in fact, let me just, let's look at a couple of other verses right here. Uh, Hebrews 11. Let's go back to verse 3 says, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command or by God's word, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but the, the Passion Translation says something like, 
the invisible spiritual realm gave birth to the visible, or it came forth from the invisible. The visible came forth from the invisible. The point there is, and I, and I don't mean to make this, this is very practical. The point there is that all of us have things in our life that we haven't seen or haven't seen yet, things that we need, things that we want, things that we desire. Some of them are for us, some of them are for other people. We have things that God, if we walk with God and we spend time with God, he'll drop dreams in your heart that are much bigger than you are and extend beyond your lifetime. Things that go, and we have several records of that in the scripture of people. In fact, it talks about it later in Hebrews chapter 11. We won't get there today, but it talks about it later in Hebrews 11 that people died having not yet seen the dream that God had dropped in their heart fully come to pass. But it said because they lived their lives in faith in that dream, it came to pass eventually. And I, that has always to me been a really big principle. It's just the first time that grabbed hold of me, I realized that, when, let, me, let me go a different direction here. Whenever I talk about this, whenever I talk about us believing for things, we don't necessarily know that they're not going to come to pass in our lifetime. We just know that God has planted a dream in our heart that we can't let go of and that, that we have to press forward in no matter what it looks like. We know that God said, I want Gunnison, Colorado to look like this. I mean, I've, I've seen images in my heart of people and I always see them just coming down off the passes. They're coming here, they're totally, they're, they're clueless. They, they, and I mean that in a very loving way, they're coming into our valley because they want to ski or they want to hunt or they want to hike or they want to do whatever. And they're coming here, they have no intention of meeting God, but they'll meet God here because the presence of God will be so strong among his people because people will be exercising their faith toward God for a different place than we see today. And that doesn't mean everything's bad about the place we see today. It just means I believe God has a whole different picture. And I'm sure that's true everywhere. It just, this is where he's called me. So uh, I, I, I can't say, I, I almost said I don't care about everywhere. That's not quite true, but I care a lot more about here because this is our assignment. This is what God has given us. Some of you have a world vision. That's awesome. I love the world. I pray for the world. But this, wherever water flows into that river, that's the assignment God's given to us, okay? So there are things that he's, that we've seen and that he's shown us. He's shown us images in our hearts of the glory of God being poured out over this valley, of it erupting in fountains through this valley, of all kinds of different things. Well, I used to think all those are going to happen in my lifetime, and I still hope they do. But if they don't, I want to live my life in such a way that I'm pulling them closer. That I'm pulling them closer. I'm not going to become discouraged by anything that says that's never going to happen because I believe God has said it's going to happen. That same dynamic, I just share that with you because that's what goes on in my heart. We all have, we can have, those dreams that God has put in our heart. And again, some of them are for you and for your family and for, you know, what, what God is building in your life. And, but hopefully, some of them are bigger than that. They can't be contained in your house, under your roof, 
hopefully there at least for just let it just let it spread out to your neighborhood and then let it spread out to the valley and then let it go wherever God wants to take it but let those dreams of God's glory being released in people's lives let those things come up on the inside of you and exist there and believe God for them and so we have these different testimonies where people and that's one of the things about Joseph he was so convinced that God would deliver Israel from Egypt, that when he got ready to die, he told his family, he made them promise, you take my bones the day that God, because he surely will, he surely will take you out of here and take you to this land that he promised to my great-grandfather. This, this dream, this truth, this faith had been passed down so strongly from generation to generation that only happens when you're doing that through words and actions. You know, for those of you who are parents and grandparents and stuff, we are to be passing down the faith that exists in us generation to generation. We need words to do that for sure, but they have to see you living it too. They have to see you actually making decisions about your business and about your marriage and about your household and all those things based on what you believe about God. They've, they've got to see that and they've got to see those times they need to celebrate as a family, those times when the faithfulness of God is being shown and, and build that library, that testimony library in your house. But, but we need to have some, some vision, some, some desires that are God's desires and we may not get to see them all come to pass. And whenever I talk about that, it discourages some people. And I really think that's the wrong attitude about it. It's like, well, if I'm not going to get to see it come to pass, then why am I bothering? But see, when you say that out loud, it sounds really selfish. There's a reason for that, you know? And, and so, so it's this balancing act of, you can't let the idea that you may not get to see it all, you can't let that diminish your hope. That's the thing. Because then it's like, oh, you know, I'm pushing hard on this and I'm tired and, you know, it'd be real easy to slack back a little bit if this isn't, gonna, you can't let that happen. We've got to understand that we're an eternal people and we live for eternity and, and God is using us in our generation. But what you do in this generation absolutely affects future generations and what they're going to be able to experience. If we're not pulling on that dream, then God's just, he's still got the dream. He's not going to let go of it. He will look for somebody else who will pull on it, whether they're going to see it in their lifetime or not. And I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that person where he has to. It doesn't mean he wouldn't love me. It's, it's just that I think he wants, I'm just going to say me, I think all of us, to be pulling on things for future generations. He wants us to be pulling things in that are never going to be seen unless somebody pulls on them. And, and so that is about, let me, let me go back to this statement that's up here. Faith is this combination. Oh yeah, I was, <laughs> it's okay guys. Uh, I, know what I'm, I, I know what I'm doing. Just total professional here. So Noah, it says he was warned about things that are not yet seen. Again, had never ever been seen. And that says in holy fear, he built the ark. So the obedience that came, the, the wording there, doesn't mean Noah was afraid of God's punishment if he didn't do it. That's not what it means. 
It's, it's a word that means to receive something good. And essentially in this context, it, it's only used, I think, twice in the New Testament. It means Noah saw that God was good for his word. Noah knew God was good for what he was saying. And that, it was a, and that there was a blessing in believing that something that had never been seen was going to happen. And so that produced a reverence in him, an awe of God in him, that God had revealed this to him. I'm sure it produced tremendous humility in him too, in the fact that when God shows you something like that, you tend to say, why me? I'm a mess. You know, why are you calling me to this? But he does. He's been using messes for a long time. He seems... We talk about this a lot. I don't know how he gets anything done with all of us, but he does. It's amazing. And so it says in holy fear, there, there was an obedience that came. And so faith, it's this combination of reverence for God, awe that's inspired by the Spirit of God and the Word of God in us and confidence. But it's so strong that it reorients your whole worldview, your whole all your, your purpose, your priorities. Faith in God, if you spend time with him and let it work, it'll change the way you do everything. It'll change the way you see people for sure. It'll change the way you do business. It'll change, honestly, it'll change the way you drive your car because you'll care about the other people. So there are some things you will do and some things you won't do. Justin and I talked about this recently. He won't put on his makeup anymore <laughs> when he's driving down the highway. <laughs> because it would be so selfish, you know, of him to do that. No, seriously, the, you know, there are things that, I, I'm just trying to point out that the most minute things in our life will be touched by faith toward God because our whole worldview changes. And God's agenda becomes more important than anything else. And we understand that we're included in that agenda, that God's blessing flows in that agenda, but that nothing that even the things that we desire and we want and, and all of that, we want to keep that clean before God. We don't want any of those things to dominate us. We don't ever want to get off putting our trust in money or putting our trust in someplace else. And that way we can use money freely and, and God will lead us and guide us in that area. I mean, it will change every decision that you make in your life over a period of time. It'll change the way you dress. It'll change the words that you speak. It'll change all of those things in our life. So, so faith is this really powerful, dynamic um, thing. And it should be, it's, it's given to us, it's shown in scripture to be something that is immovable. I've got that word undeterred up there. The idea is to be, to move with God or to stand with God and see his desires and his will come to pass and not be driven off course, not be moved, not be de deterred means that you, you are intimidated out of going forward. You are, uh, uh, you are in some way detoured, uh, moved aside, stopped, hindered, held back, 
uh, because of something else that comes into your life. So you stop pursuing a goal. You stop moving forward. And there are loads of things. This is what the devil does. He lies to us. He throws up fake smoke barriers that look very real in our life until we blow them out of the way with the name of Jesus. We, he tries to get you off pursuing after God by faith. It's what he does. And he's been doing it for a long time and he knows how to push people's buttons, but God knows how to keep us focused and moving forward. Faith, as it's shown in the scripture, it's immovable in the face of, of opposition. It is transferable from generation to generation. It can be, it can be brought to the next generation. Faith, as, as it's shown in the scripture, it endures through all kinds of societal upheaval through all kinds of political change. You, you watch guys, guys and gals uh, in the scripture go through changes in kings. Look at the history of Israel. I mean, they'd have like good king, bad king, bad king, bad king, bad king, you know, that didn't worship God and killed people and slaughtered babies and did all this stuff. And one good king and things would tear down all the idols and do all this stuff. Bad king, bad king, bad king. And you see them, you see them in Babylon, you see them in Egypt, you see them in all that you see in the New Testament, you see them under Rome, you see them in these different places where there's tremendous persecution and changes, and then they'd have favor with the government, and then they'd have this. That's the way it's been going forever. Faith keeps going through all of that. And it passes from one person to the next and from generation to generation. And when the church gets kind of closed down in one area, the Holy Spirit just springs up in another. I always laugh when I, you know, every once in a while you read these reports where somebody will come out and say, oh, Christianity is dead, you know, and in the earth. And, and it's like, where, where I don't know where you're living, but where I'm living, it's not dead at all. The Spirit of God is still raising the dead and healing people and changing people's lives. And we just were over at a little, just a little quick few hour conference uh, in Colorado Springs the other day. And, and a lot, well, a part of it was these different people giving testimonies. And some of these guys had been heroin addicts for like 20 years. I don't know how they lived 20 years. Most people do not live that long. But they'd been addicted to various things through that time, ended up on on junk and, and they were, you know, and then they found this ministry that's really, and I don't know the details of the ministry, it's over in the UK, but they're really getting people free from addictions. And these guys were just like, you know, I, I found Jesus and Jesus set me free from this. And now they've been free for 20 years. I mean, it's, this is not last week, you know, get them up on stage quick, you know, before they're out on the street again. These people are free and they're preaching the gospel. You know, Christianity, following Christ, is not going to die out. It's never going to die out. It's, you know, so anyway, faith, you watch these people, it gets passed down. It gets, it, it gets passed from person to person, from generation to generation. What's going on right now in our culture is that in a lot of ways we're losing uh, the power of patience, you know, in order to, to, and that means not just to sit there and be frustrated till something happens. Patience means anticipation with joy of it's related to hope. 
but I'm able to wait with joy and hope and, and trust in God until this comes to pass. So patience and also it's cousin perseverance, which means I press forward in the face of opposition. And our culture is kind of losing both those. I had a situation uh, a few weeks ago, I ordered a toolbox, you know, a big toolbox for the garage. Uh, and I, I couldn't find one anywhere here. And so anyway, I ended up at Sears and they had at a reasonable price, something that I thought I wanted. And so I asked them, well, it turns out they don't actually have them. <laughs> they just have the display model. Well, okay. So, uh, yeah, let's get that. Well, then it was going to take 10 days to get it. Okay. But that wasn't my reaction. It's like, what? It's going to take more than two days to get something that I want. It won't be delivered right to my door in two days by a drone. You know, I mean, I'm an American. What is this? 10 days. Are you kidding? And, and you know, the poor girl, I didn't say all that, by the way. I didn't say any of that. She probably saw it on my face, though. And it was like, really? And uh, I thought, well, okay, you know, I've lived without it all these years. I can do this. And, uh, and the poor woman that was working there, you could tell it's where, I mean, Sears isn't Sears anymore, first of all. And that's how it is with Sears, at least here. And it's not her fault. And there's nothing she can do about it. This is a system. It's got to come by truck. It doesn't even get ordered for four or five days, depending on where you order it. And then it has to come from Texas on a very slow moving vehicle. And so, so it takes that long. And you could tell, I'm sure people just rail on her. And I just thanked her. And, you know, because it's not her fault. Well, it didn't get here on that truck. <laughs> there was going to be another almost four weeks. And I was like, oh, well, okay. You know, I'll be in... Grand Junction before then, you know, and, and stuff. Anyway, they finally gave me the floor model. So that was cool. And I didn't, I didn't hassle them by. I just said, well, that might not work for me because I need to get this done before I lose the momentum of cleaning our garage. So that really was the thing. It's like, I'm in this. If I stop now, it's going to be another 20 years. So anyway, so I just, you know, and I, I had to really think about patience and where my patience is, or, or the lack of it these days, because everything's instantaneous. Well, how much milk do baby blue whales drink? Well, I can find out right here. We'll know in three seconds, okay? This is an old joke. Uh, but, but anyway, we're losing that ability to be patient, which really is faith and patience. It says we receive the promises through faith and actually perseverance not getting stopped, not getting deterred. Because the attempts are going to be made to slow you down, to stop you, to knock you off your vision, to pull you aside. And so what do you do in those situations? What do I do when I'm starting to lose hope? You go back and get your face before God's face. And you ask him, Lord, speak this to me again. You, I, I'm, you know where I am. <laughs> And you know that I'm, I'm losing my grip on something that I haven't seen yet, but I know you're speaking to me. Speak it to me again. He will. Go back to those verses we talked about a while ago. They're kind of those home verses for you where you can always go and get built up. Go back to those things because this, you know, this faith is just not this quiet, invisible, I have my faith, but I don't talk about it. Faith, that's not faith. I'm sorry, that's not faith. Faith, you're not going to be able to shut up 
when you have faith. You don't have to be ugly. You don't have to be in everybody's face. I don't think that really does much good. But it's going to be, you're going to have to find somebody that you can talk to about the dream in your heart. You're going to have to talk, find somebody in your life that you can talk to about how good God is and what he's saying to you and what you just saw in his word. You know, you're, you're, going, to, you're going to have to do that because it's not this invisible, quiet, keep it quiet, don't let it, do whatever you do, don't let it affect your politics. What, are you kidding how in the world could you have faith in God and it not affect the direction that you want to see your city or the, or the county or the country go? Yes, let it affect everything that you do. Jesus, in, in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, it says, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not turn coward, faint, lose heart, or give up. He told them a parable about, look, you gotta, you've got to be able to pray. And, and I believe, I just see this as we've got to let faith produce prayers. We've got to let faith drive our prayers, not fear, not doubt, not, not that, okay? Faith, confidence in God, what God is saying, what God has said, what God has done before. That has to drive our prayers. And then we won't faint. We won't lose heart. We won't give up. You know, they, there was that point where Jesus talked to him about, he, I think he was getting too many people around. So, so he, he told him, look, if you're going to be my follower, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And it says, obviously there was a real message in there, but, but it says a whole bunch of people just walked away at that point. It's like, that's, we can't do that. You know, so, so they, it says they stopped following him. So he turns to his disciples, the ones that are closest to him, and he says, do you want to leave too? You know, he, he just invites them, do you, want to, do you want to leave too? He didn't cling to them and say, oh, please don't leave me. He said, you know, do you want to leave too? And Peter, you know, comes out with this great statement that where would we go? You have the words of life. Where would we go? Where would we turn? You're the one that has the words of life. It's over in uh, John chapter six, all this toward the end of the chapter. And, and that's how a lot of times, that's how I feel those points where, where you know the devil's trying to deter you or circumstances are trying to deter you. They're trying to move you off your faith. It's like, well, where would I put it? Where else would I put it? But in you, God, you are the only one who is absolutely faithful, absolutely good for your word, can absolutely and will absolutely bring these things to pass, whether they happen in my lifetime or not. I'm not getting off. I'm not stopping. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. And I feel it just like you do. There are times where we want to give up, not necessarily on God, not necessarily, I mean, that, that's, I, I'm, that's not what I'm talking about but on a dream, on something that we believe that God said. So be sure God said it. But if God said it, then I think we have a responsibility to pursue it and believe for it, whether we ever see it or not. Maybe we're pulling it in for somebody else, but we're pulling it in. We're pulling the kingdom in. We're pulling the, the, the characteristics of the place where God rules in. We're pulling in healing. We're pulling in life. We're pulling in freedom and deliverance and forgiveness and all of those things. We're pulling them in. 
Okay. Let's make this one more statement to you. And then I want to read you one more scripture too, and then we'll quit. Um, Biblical faith is not emotionally based. Okay. It's, it affects our emotions dramatically. It'll produce peace instead of fear and joy instead of hope and all those kinds of things. I mean, not joy instead of hope, joy and hope instead of discouragement and and like that, but it's not emotionally based. So it's not when I'm saying, you know, have faith in God. Jesus said, have faith in God. He wasn't saying you better work up faith in God. He wasn't saying you need to work this up emotionally. I think that's a mistake a lot of us make. We're trying to please God in that, but it's, it just doesn't work that way. We need to go and spend time with God and hear what God says and spend time in his word and faith on its own will be imparted to us and grow. So, and what it'll do is it'll supersede. There are a lot of fears that stop people from going forward, whether it's the fear of man or fear of death stops a lot of people from doing everything that God would have them to do. I have a note for you. We're all going to die unless Jesus comes back. And so when I die, my body's just going to stop for a while. I'll get a new one eventually, whenever that is. I'll get a new one, brand new one, that has all kinds of cool features. You know, <laughs> Jesus walked through walls, you know. It's going to be pretty cool. But, but when that happens, I'm not, I'm not going to die. I'm going to be there waiting for you if you haven't gone yet. I'm, I'm going to go right away and find Colleen Cawthon and... and uh, and Tom, and yeah, and all these people that left too early, you know. So anyway, my point is, why do we let that fear stop us from stepping into God, things that God would have for us? So there are all kinds of fear, fear of man, fear of what people will think of us, those kinds of things. Uh, You know, faith will overcome those, fear of failure. It'll keep people from really passionately pursuing what God has for them. Faith, just spend time with God, let him build faith, and, and it'll supersede those things. It'll just supersede those things. So let's just read this verse and we'll quit. I won't even preach on it. I just maybe you can think about it. You don't believe me, do you? <laughs> I have seven more minutes, but I think, I'm, I think we're quitting early. Mark it on the calendar. I owe you about 10,000 minutes from all the times I keep you late. Um, this is Exodus thirteen nineteen, And this is the one that just hit me the other day. It's the one that... I asked Andy, have you ever thought about this verse? He's like, no, I'm changing the baby. I'm at home. Leave me alone. It says, this is Exodus. This is, this is when they were getting ready to leave Egypt, right? I mean, there it's Passover. They're getting ready to march out the door. And it says, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. All right, and that is mentioned again in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22. Joseph gets credit for that faith. And of course, it's found the stories back in Genesis chapter 50. But so here he is. He's the great grandson of Abraham who had received the promise, right? He had Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph is one of Jacob or Israel's sons. And so this promise had been passed down through the family. Am I preaching on this? I guess. Uh, It had been passed down through the family. And again, I don't think that can possibly happen just with words. It had to be they saw their father and grandfather living by faith. So it was passed down. So here he is getting ready to die. 
And he somehow, we will have to talk about this next week, he attached his faith, not, not to the bones, but in leaving that in the earth, he, through that, there was that marker in the earth that he was sowing into the earth, my bones, but through that oath that he gave to his family, he said, I want you to promise that the day God carries you up, and he surely will. It wasn't an if. If God does this, could you guys remember? He said, this is going to happen. And when it does, you take my bones there because this promise was so real to him that he was going to the promised land. It didn't happen for a long time. It didn't happen until after uh, they stayed in Egypt and they were blessed for a while. And then the new king came along who forgot all about Joseph and all of that stuff. Didn't remember them at all. Israel's in all this slavery. They start crying out to God. I mean, all this stuff happened. It was a long time later before that promise was fulfilled. But through all that time, that oath, one man saying, don't forget this. You take my bones because this is going to happen. They had that oath. It's a family thing. We will keep this. We will keep this oath. We will carry those. But we know where those bones are, first of all. We know those are his bones, I guess. And we are going to carry those up with us. And so from family member to family member, this thing is passed down. And, and Joseph's faith extended generations past his life because he involved people in it. And he proclaimed that God is going to do this. And through that oath, he attached other people to it and they carried it. All that, I don't know, maybe it doesn't blow you away. It blows me away <laughs> that they still, and they, and they did, they took those bones and they took and they buried them in the right place in the promised land. And Joseph, his bones, got into the promised land. He was already in the promised land. So I just say all that to say, let faith work in you. Let it be undeterred. Let it grow. Let it, don't let anything stop you. Let the dreams that God puts in your heart grow and grow and grow. Let's stand up and pray together this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Lord, I, I just pray over all of us in this room. And those, Father, who are with us, but they're not with us today, Lord, for all of us that you've called here to this place, to this church, this body, this community, Father, Lord, you, you have called us. And we stand here today by faith in you. We stand here today proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Lord, we know that that's not just about our eternity. It's not just about, that's a done deal. We're going to spend eternity with you. And we're grateful for that. But Lord, you have a mission here for us and you have things for us as individuals and as families raising children and as business people, as community members, as people in this earth. Father, you have a mission and a purpose for every one of us. And we choose today to take hold of it by faith and to allow the seed of it to be planted in our hearts and continue to develop. And Lord, any place in this room where you have planted a dream, genuinely you have planted a dream, but that dream has become eroded and diminished and faded, I pray that today it would burst back into life. I pray that today, just like this time of year, we see we look out one day and there's dirt on the ground, the next day there's a flower. 
And it just has seemingly just come up overnight. Father, I thank you for those dreams coming back to life in the hearts of people and that you would flood those dreams and that you would bring yourself to many, many, many people through the faith of the people in this room. And that, Lord, I pray that you give us the wisdom, especially parents in this room and grandparents, on how to communicate and pass down that faith generation to generation to generation so that the things we're trusting you for do go way beyond our lifetime. And I'm asking you this morning, Lord, for anybody who's willing, Lord, that you would plant dreams in our hearts that are bigger than our lifetime. I thank you for that. Bigger than our surroundings, bigger than our lifetime. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Did you get anything out of this today? All right. Let's say this on the count of three, that Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Man, if anybody needs prayer for anything, personal prayer, come on up. One of us will be happy to pray for you this morning. Okay. So let's say it on the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.